guess who's back? Paul and the Alfred. Okay, Paul runs in the span. We're gonna get shut out. Gambino! Hip to a home run! Yes, me. Choo choo, it's time for all and the Alfred. In all of my days of covering this team, in all of my days watching this club, the high of 2012, winning that MAC championship, that has been the peak for me in this, in this era of being a BG fan. That was the peak. I ran at the peak. I was at the top of the mountain already. Ran and got it again with Dino Babers. Babers leaves. And we hire Mike Jenks. I am so hesitant tonight. Because I know a lot of you listen to this program and look up to me, and especially the kids that listen to this show. I influence a lot of people in their decisions when it comes to sports. Tonight is one of those nights where you're just going to have to turn down the volume and just listen in because or turn up the volume and listen in tonight because this is this is important I said it at the beginning of the year and I'll say it again this is a must win season for Bowling Green for the coaching staff for the players And I thought the Oregon game was bad. I thought the Maryland second half was atrocious. But this past weekend was... This is, in my opinion, since I have been covering Bowling Green sports... And covering this team and this university. This is by far the worst team I have ever seen in my entire life. There is tons of bright spots in this organization. Tons of bright spots in this team. Deggy looks fantastic. Andrew Clare looks great. Derek Pudovam looks fantastic as well. There's a lot of bright spots in this team. And it's all being dimmed by one factor. The piece of dirt, Mike Jenks. Recruiting was never his forte. He got Babers recruits. And now year three with his recruits in 
What are we seeing on the field? Absolutely nothing positive. We are now near the halfway mark of this season. Halfway mark. We are now five games into the season. Five games into the season. There's only seven left. He's got to win five out of the next seven. I don't see it happening. So I'm going to say it. On this program tonight, I'm calling for Mike Jenks. While UT beats down the Wolfpack, and Ohio State dominates. But how about this? The Lions beating down Tom Brady and the Patriots. What an upset. And to, a big thank you to VMart. And oh, I love you guys. And welcome into this Tuesday evening edition of All Andy Alford, the 25th of September. 2018, I am your host, Andy Alford, welcoming you to all Andy Alford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network. We got an intro. How about that? How about that intro? Courtesy of one Mr. Nick DeVera. Thank you so very much. And yes, there is audio clips of me talking in there. Yes. Um, I truly appreciate you, Nick. Thank you so very much for that. And that is our new intro for our show. We'll, we'll tailor it a little bit more as... As time goes on, but um, but uh, welcome into the program. We got a lot to get into tonight. Of course, We've, we're going to recap the NFL. We're also going to recap what's happening on the diamond as we're into the last week of Major League Baseball, as well as talk a little bit about the NHL and talk about the upcoming season and um, make a, a couple housekeeping notes before we begin. You can always follow the show on Twitter. It is at all Andy Alford. It is at all Andy Elford. And, of course, um, later on this evening, we will have the NHL preview show posted on the Anchor Network. So we're doing two shows tonight on this Tuesday night. Um, uh, you'll hear the preview for the NHL season with, uh, with the Jackets, the Red Wings, the Penguins, the Stanley Cup champion Capitals, and so many other teams. And you'll also hear who I think will lift Lord Stanley's Cup come June. So, like I said, you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter at AllAndyAlfred. And you're listening to us on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now. However you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And let's dive into it. Uh, you heard the opener with me today, and I'm going to say it again. I will say it again. The only true win he has gotten. The only true win he has gotten so far. This year's Eastern Kentucky game. There's no true wins for Mike Jenks. In the coaching staff. Last year they only won two games. Year before only winning two games. They have won one game this year. That is five wins. Five and twenty-six. That's not gonna cut it. When your recruiting class is 
the recruiting class that you've gotten over the last few years, we've made mention of this so many times on this program. We have made so many mentions of this program about Mike James's recruiting class and how lackluster and how great it has been. I have been a component of Jenks in the whole situation and his removal from Bowling Green for a long time. Now, for over four months. Now, I, I said it earlier in the season. I give him, I won't get, I will give him, I have to give him six wins to save his job. And if, for me, I would have gave him four. I could, I'm going to correct myself on that. Four to six wins. He has to at least get five. He's not going to get it. He's not going to get it. And I'm going to tell you again, he's not going to get it. And the way that, you know, his players are playing for him shows you that they give up, they have given up on this season. It's an absolutely embarrassing to watch this game on ESPN+. Plus. By the way, I subscribed to ESPN+, Plus, folks. I did it. I broke down. I wanted to see this game. It's embarrassing to see empty seats the start of the third quarter. To see the fans not into this game. They were into the Eastern Kentucky game because it was a competitive game. Because they were playing it. FBS school. Tier 2. And they could barely get the win against them. The fact is. The fact is that this guy doesn't know how to recruit, doesn't know proper play calling, because every time he decides to change the play at the line, this go back to the Eastern Kentucky game, every time he changed the play to Deggy, Deggy threw up an interception, because they read the play. So he doesn't know play calling. He doesn't know his right, his right from his left with his offensive and defensive coordinator. It, it 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 just has to be said. It has to be said, and I'm gonna say it. And and I, I and I hate to say it. I really do. I like the guy. He's a he's a great member of the community. A great member of the team. A great member of the facilities and everything like that. But Mike Jenks has got to go. He's got to go. I'm calling for Mike Jenks's job. I would like I said. I would have gave him the four wins. But after the pathetic performance that in his bad coaching skills, his bad coaching skills in this game, and you'll hear in the audio later on in the in in this show, the Monday and Friday and Saturday the Saturday at post game, and you'll hear the Friday and the Monday post in the Monday presser for Georgia Tech this week. Yeah, that's right. We're playing Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech in Atlanta. If I was the administration at Bowling Green, if I'm going to say this right now, if he does not get fired after the UT game, because I have got I have friends, and these are sources that are telling me that 
the attendance is down this year for fo- for the football games. Revenue for the football games is down. I've also heard that alumni are are in the same boat as I am for calling for Mike Jenks, and I'm the one that says it. I am the one that says that Mike Jenks is not a good coach. He is not a good coach. He has he was a good coach on the sidelines as either an offensive or defensive coordinator. That's as much as he is good at. He cannot take the play calling. He is not an offensive-minded coach. He is not a defensive-minded coach. He is not a coach, period! He's better to be the ball boy! And I care about this university. I care about this program. The high regard of this program. The amount of the amount of people that come up to me and say, "Why is Bowling Green this bad?" Why? How can they be this bad? So frustrated I had to take a drink of water. Calm myself down. How can we be this bad? It starts with recruiting. And guess who recruits? Mike Jenks. Now we're not. And I told this to a friend of mine today. We are not Ohio State. We are not Alabama. We are not UCLA. We are not USC. We are definitely not Boise State. We are Bowling Green, Ohio. I, my friend Drake, who I went to the football game with, had a blast. He wants to go again. I told him, let's wait until next season. Because it's going to be better next year. The fact that this guy still has a job is just blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. And the fact that the fans were leaving in the third quarter, doesn't that tell you anything? Administration? That your revenue is down? That the fanship is down this year? Does it not tell you that something is going on here? If the football program, which makes you a lot of money, you a lot of money, it makes you a lot of money, and yet you can't keep them in the seats. A, you charge them too much for tickets, and that's one thing I like to make mention right now. And I'm not gonna homeristic this, but Bowling Green has one of the highest ticket prices. In the Mid American Conference, Toledo's second to that is is top tier to that though. But they could bring in the higher talent in the Miamis, in the Nevadas, into the Pittsburghs, into all the bigger schools. We get Maryland this year. 
Maryland. We have to go to Eugene, take the paycheck. We have to go now to Georgia Tech, take the paycheck. Next year, we go to Notre Dame and take the paycheck. But we can't bring them here. We had a home game a few years ago. It was a home game. It was against Wisconsin. But we played that in Cleveland because we felt like it was going to be a better revenue money on that. I, I just don't see it. I just I just don't see And this this past Saturday was the dagger in the coffin for me. Like I may mention before, the fans were leaving in the third quarter because Bowling Green at halftime against Miami was down 24-3. And Miami is not a good MAC team. This is a MAC school. These are teams that you have to win in the division. This is this division, the East, which is a low-tier team that, that is just absolutely at the bottom. You have split in your three years at Bowling Green. Three years you have split the series against Miami going into Saturday's game. And you... He's going to say on the Monday press on the on the Saturday post game press conference that was the defense the offensive line couldn't hold Miami's the Miami line. I agree with that. Like I said, it's all recruiting. And this is just just a shock. This isn't just a shock for me. This is just Embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. We we as fans deserve better. We deserve better. We have had Dave Clawson. We have had Dino Babers. We have had Urban Meyer coaching. LeBron and Orange. We deserve better. And hopefully, we don't get embarrassed this Saturday against Georgia Tech. Let's go over the numbers. As Miami of Ohio destroyed Bowling Green, it was 24-3 at halftime, ended at 38-23. It was a late Hail Mary touchdown. And that was some of the bright spots. They did not show up in the first half. That team, Bowling Green, did not show up in the first half. And he'll say about it. He got, they got better in the third and the fourth quarter. You have to play a full 60 minutes. A full 60 minutes. Raglan for Miami of Ohio. 10 of 15 for 119. One touchdown. No, excuse me, two touchdowns. Zero INTs. For Miami, Smith, 19 touches for 164 yards. Sorson, 6 catches for 72 yards, 1 TD in the game. Ragland also ran 6 attempts for 40 yards, 
one TD in the game. Daigie, a better game. Rattled in the first half, strong in the second half. He was 30 for 45, 237, two TDs, no INTs in the game. Andrew Clare, 16 touches for 37 yards. Shows you that the offensive line was absolutely atrocious in this game. No touchdowns. Scotty Miller, five back in the game, five catches, 65 yards, no TDs. Morlow, seven catches, 60 yards, one TD. Quentin Morris, five catches, 53 yards, one TD in the game. Breakdown looks like this. Miami, 17 first downs to Bowling Green's 29. They had a 408 yards total offense in the game. 119 in the air, 284 on the ground. Bowling Green, 85 total yards of rushing. 385 through the air. Excuse me, 300 through the air. Penalties killed Bowling Green. Seven penalties for 57 yards. Miami had more penalties, though. Eight penalties for 85 yards. One fumble in the game for Bowling Green. And that was the only turnover. So, yeah. What else is there to say? This is... And here's here's a good piece. Nicholas Petrosky, Petros from the Toledo Blade. I have the article from Saturday Sunday's paper. Headline reads like this: Falcons get beat up, deflated on the latest loss. BG can't make up ground versus Miami. And I'll say this again. I'll read this verbatim from Nicholas. Little by little, groups of orange-clad fans began to trickle out of Doit L. Perry Stadium starting early in the third quarter on Saturday. It was difficult to find fault in their desire to be anywhere else. Bowling Green turned in by far its worst performance of the season. With the previous blowout loss previously to winless Miami, which eased their way to a 38-23 victory in the MAC conference opener for both teams. And I said it again, this was a key game for Bowling Green. They needed to win this game. They would be up in the standings. They would be in front in the standings. Looking forward. The Falcons fell behind by 28 points early in the third quarter. And despite a few late touchdowns in the game, never seriously threatened Miami's lead. For the Falcons, there is no solace in scoring its first touchdown with Miami's second string. Second string, and we finally get a touchdown. That's embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. Or in scoring after it was too late. Yeah, they scored a touchdown on the last play of the game. So, every Tuesday on this program, we play the Saturday post game and the Monday presser. Now, you'll hear his demeanor on Saturday, and you could tell he was pissed. 
toe of his But uh, here it is. Here is the press conference from Saturday and previewing the Bowling Green Georgia Tech game this upcoming Saturday in Atlanta. Here is the coach, Mike Jenks. Well, it started from the beginning of the game. We couldn't protect the quarterback, and we've got to do a better job of that. We've, we've got to uh, um, get some other guys in there. Um, we've got to look at um, what we're doing from a scheme standpoint because we have too much talent uh, from an offensive standpoint uh, to have a performance like that. Um, we, we've got to do a jo- get better job of keeping the quarterback upright. Jared looked pretty rattled today. He, yeah, he, was, he was under siege the whole night. Funny. I mean, the back opener. Yeah, very, 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 because you know, really, really felt like uh, um, you know we were close to, to making that next step. Uh, obviously, we're not. Obviously, we uh, we got a ton of work to do, and that starts tomorrow. Okay, obviously, this year was going to be about trying to take that next step and then trying to make this roster more complete. Do you feel like you took a step back in this game? Ah, uh, definitely. I mean, we had. You know, we had the fumbled ball on the reverse, which was wide open in there. We, how many penalty, how many holding penalties did we have? We had had a ton of those all, all, all year long, and we played quality competition. Um, yeah, you know, Lorenzo Tabor was out. Um, we had a uh, Derek Downs step up for him, but I expect Derek Downs to perform at a high level. And, I, and it wasn't Derek Downs, a young kid, getting beat all night. It was, it was holistic. It was all of them. Um, so um, we got to get better. I'm not pointing it all on them. There's enough blame to go around for everybody. But it, it, it definitely starts there. Um, you know, I thought defensively in the second half they did the things that we asked them to do. Um, until the late touchdown, they held them to seven. And, and, and if we could have got anything going uh, any earlier offensively, they would have given us a chance. So um, it was as simple as that. What's the key to solving the tackle? Oh, you got to keep working. It's all about fundamentals. It's all about wanting. You know, it's all about keeping your head up, running your feet, and bringing your arms. Which is evaluating the scheme. How drastic do you expect this to be? Uh, not, not, not huge. Um, you know, one of the things when, when we, when you're in a situation like that, uh, we probably um, had to do all over again. And, and some of the guys, let me just be honest with you, they put in their seconds in that first touchdown drive. Um, so let, let's let's not let's not sit here and act like we made some uh, uh, magnificent discovery. But when you're getting hurt and, and, and beat up front like that, you probably want to play a little faster. You want probably want to keep that personnel on the field and you probably want to slow those guys down a little bit. Do you feel with the, the offensive talent that you have that that should just never happen? No, absolutely. Absolutely. We've got too much talent. We've got too much skill, uh, um, you know, to, to have a p- p- performance like that. I expect more. How do you keep guys' confidence up? Well, we're going to go back to work. Um, that's what I told him in the locker room. Uh, our character, our character, uh, our, our identity, our want to will be tested. You know, and uh, um, we've got to stay together and we've got to continue to, to, to work like they've worked all week long. And, um, you know, we've got to hold ourselves accountable. First and foremost, we can't act like uh, 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 there isn't an issue, there isn't a problem. Um, we've got to address it and we've got to continue to move forward. Do you think the touchdowns of the fourth quarter helped them on that one, you know, um, they, they didn't stop playing, you know, and that, that's always a positive. But at, at the same time, uh, um, you know, they didn't stop playing. You brought them together at the end of the first half on the field. What was the, uh, the message there? Uh, the message was that we're killing ourselves. Um, and if we get our own way um, and, and start doing the little things right, then uh, we can give ourselves an opportunity to get back in this ballgame.
And that was Mike Jenks from Saturday night. There's not much I could say about that. Not much I could say about that. He said it right. You know, it didn't really... It didn't really hit the point that, you know, they didn't find anything miraculous in the second half because they started their seconds and third strings. But does that make that makes that the program is a laughing stock? It tells you that the program is a laughing stock. That you have to that you're scoring points on their second and third strings because you can't put any points on the board, only three points in the first half. It's unbelievable. So this is the Monday presser previewing the Georgia Tech game, which is this upcoming Saturday, noon kickoff. We'll dive in a little bit more in detail after you hear Mike Jenks, the coach of Bowling Green, in his press conference with the media on Monday at the football facility.
in those kids in there that continuing to, to preach who we want to be when we, we can talk about it. We know we're not where we want to be. Um, it's part of, the, part of the growth, part of our process. Uh, we've got some guys that are doing some good things. We, we truly do. Uh, we've got to continue to build on those. We've got to be honest about the mistakes that are being made. We've got to get those fixed, so we've got to get people in there that uh, will you know, give us a better chance to be successful. The, the run defense has not been good. And right. now you have to face a team that runs it. Runs the ball all the time. Up and down the football. Yeah. How do you approach a game when your big, your biggest struggle on defense is what the other team does really well? Well, our, our biggest struggle on defense isn't from a schematical standpoint. And I think sometimes that's the key when you play uh, these triple option teams. I think a uh, uh, scheme is what really gets you in a lot of trouble. I think that uh, visiting with Coach Bellini, uh great familiar with it. I know that when he was a defensive coordinator at FAU, So we'll be, we'll, we'll be in the right places, Jordan. I think we just got to tackle them. And, and, and that just goes back to just us challenging these young men to be better. You know, and if the guys out there aren't making the plays, if we've got nothing to lose, you got to put the next guy up in, and hopefully you find somebody that can uh, make that play. I heard Frank Solich saying one time the hardest part about facing a triple option team is that your scout team can just never run it the way it's going to look right on Saturday. So what, what kind of things can you do in practice to maybe give them a taste of what you're going to see? I don't want to take ball away. You know, I mean, take the ball away. Yeah, die quarterback picks, and that's pretty much. You know, you got to trust your teams. You know, so um, those are things that we'll do. The quarterback, unfortunately, uh, will have to be live this week because you can't simulate it. You know, just just tagging off on the QB. Uh, but it presents a lot of problems, and a lot of them again is I just with and uh, making sure that everybody's taken care of their side. You said that there. There's enough guys in this offense that you guys shouldn't be struggling the way that you are. Right. So who does that fall on? Is that is that on you? Is that on the offensive coaches? Who is that on then? If it's there on, are enough guys. It's on us as an offensive call. We've got to do a better job protecting the quarterback. That's the first thing that's happening. I mean, he's been we've been fairly efficient from an offensive standpoint. Um, we're probably ahead of where we were last year. I want us to be better because I feel like we have enough skill set, enough talent to be better to take that next step. So it starts first and foremost about by. Uh, us finding a way, whether again, whether it's being more versatile, rolling the pocket, more bootlegs, more waggles, uh, uh, getting them out of harm's way, and, and helping our offense line a little bit instead of just sitting back and trying to drop back and forth 50 times. Um, but I do believe that uh, from a skill set standpoint, we got enough guys that given the opportunities in space that uh, they can be very productive. We got to get the ball. Your offensive line didn't struggle that much against some defensive lines that were arguably much more talented in a couple games this year, Coach. What do you attribute to their, their struggles as well? Well, some of the trouble this past week was going from a three down to a four down, and some at the guard spot is where we kind of we kind of had our issues this week. And when you play an odd front, those guards are, are uncovered, and, and really they're playing in space. And uh, you know they had a pretty good player over this past week, and uh, um, you know we took some ups. Offensively, to get the running game going, does this have to be a situation where you pass to run, nothing over your head? That's looking like it. Looking like it. Uh, I mean, we, we coming into the season really wanted to be run first and then come off the old and, and flat shot with it. But uh, uh, looking at the game, after four weeks, you got to know where your strengths are. And I think our strengths right now is probably our ability and our efficiency in our passing game. Because when he's upright, I think he's completing 67, 68% of his passes. Uh, we've got to spread these teams out. We've got to get them running north, left, I mean, east and west, and, and uh, slow some of these big defensive linemen out, and then probably start to establish running game. Well, the best weapon against triple options is keeping it off the field. So, how much role does it offer the offense have? Uh, it's big. I mean, because 
your, your possessions are going to be limited. And so what you don't want to do is try to force too many things and, 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 and panic. And, I mean, going there with an idea that I've got to take shot after shot after shot to do that. And so I think you're spot on. I think we have to be efficient on third down. We have to keep the ball. We have to keep our defense rest, uh, resting. When we get in the red zone, we've got to score a touchdown to not keep the ball. Can you imagine after the game? possibility of maybe having to play a little faster. Mm-hmm. Scotty's talked about maybe having to play a little faster. Does that come into play this week or how does that? We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll be moving on, on tonight. I think, uh, you know, towards the end of the game there, I think we scored 20 points in the fourth quarter. Might take me up the tempo. There a lot of factors to that, that went into that. You know, they had taken the starters out at one point. That makes a difference, trust me. Um, but if we were able to, to get in some sort of a rhythm, uh, and, and when you're able to do that and have some sort of success, what it does keeps them from subbing the deep in the line in and out, and keeping those guys on the field for seven, eight plays. And when you're overmatched a little bit at a certain position, that that gives you some sort of advantage. Do you anticipate changes along the line this week? Uh, don't feel so. I, I, I'm going to ask this with, with all due respect. Do you still believe that you are the guy for this job and that you can win here? No doubt. Why? No doubt. Because you can recruit here. And it's happened before. We've, we've been through these cycles. We, we, this is a school which, with great tradition. Um, you know, it, it's, we've shown that we can side two classes in the top of our conference. We've shown, uh, if you go back and you look at the conference, you look at the East, I mean, Chuck's in his fifth year, uh, Buffalo. I mean, Lance is in his fourth year and starting to get that thing turned around. All it takes is a couple games. All it takes is a belief. So um, I think we've got the right guys in place from a coaching standpoint. And I think we've got the talent coming as well. So there's no doubt in my mind. I want to play that audio again from Jordan Strack. Strack had a great question. He asked him straight up. He asked him straight up if he is the man for this job. I want to play that audio again. That, not the whole bit, but the Jordan Strack bit. And I want to let you hear it again. And I'm going to post the question to you on Twitter, on my Twitter account. After hearing this, do you still think, in in your opinion, Mike Jenks is the coach of Bowling Green? you still believe that you are the guy for this job and that you can win here? No doubt. Why? No doubt. Because you can recruit here. And it's happened before. We've, we've been through these cycles. This is a school which, with great tradition. Um, you know, it, it's we've shown that we can side two classes in the top of our conference. We've shown, uh, if you go back and you look at the conference, you look at the East, I mean, Chuck's in his fifth year. Uh, Buffalo, I mean, Lance is in his fourth year and starting to get that thing turned around. All it takes is a couple games, all it takes is a belief. So um, I think we've got the right guys in place from a coaching standpoint, and I think we've got the talent coming as well. So there's no doubt in my mind we can get this thing done here. You could recruit. You could recruit. Mike. question is yours, folks. As you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here 
on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now. However you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program. As you just heard the press conferences from Mike Jenks from Saturday and Monday. I love George Strack. I love he just he just asked it. He, Strack is, you know, one of the best in this area when it comes to sports. That right there, his cockiness towards that question. And you wonder why. And you wonder why, folks. Bowling Green plays Georgia Tech this upcoming Saturday at noon kickoff. The game is on ESPNU. Let's talk about other scores from around college football. And yes, the Wolfpack headed into the Glass Bowl this upcoming this past Saturday. And they took on the University of Toledo and UT putting a shellacking on the Wolfpack, 63 to 44. It was Tangy, 29 for 50, 320 through the air, one touchdown, one INT in the in the game. Toya, 15 carries for 110, three touchdowns in the game. Cooks, two catches for 19 yards, one touchdown in the game. Um UT's quarterback, 15 for 24, 211, four touchdowns, no INTs in the game. He also ran 15, 15 times for 131 yards, two TDs. He was the go-getter for the game. Seymour, 15 carries for 57 yards. Cody Thompson, four catches, 57 yards, three touchdowns in the game. Johnson, four car- catches for 67 yards, one touchdown in the game. Break line looks like this. Toledo had 23 first downs to Nevada's 27. Nevada had 582 yards of total offense in the game, 320 through the air, 262 on the ground. Toledo had 230 on the in the air, 230 on the ground. They had six penalties for 65 yards. Nevada had 10 penalties for seven yards, but they had two turnovers in the game to Toledo's one. So the Rockets getting the big win. Ending their home stand, going 3-0 at home. Now they'll hit the road to play Fresno State this upcoming Saturday. 10.30 p.m. kickoff for that one. And then the following week, it is Rivalry Week. The Battle of I-75 between the University of Toledo and the Bowling Green State University Falcons. The 6th of October. Again, we will be at the lot at UT to tailgate, of course. And to be there, uh, my, myself, Lucas Sigerson, a few others, will be doing the show live Saturday morning and afternoon from the lot. And um, we'll be doing a Facebook Live for that as well, too. So stick around and uh, uh, we'll get you some more information regarding that when it comes available probably next probably next Tuesday on All Andy Elford. Uh, let's dive a little bit more into college football. And how about Ohio State putting a... The shellacking on Tulane, the FU Tour Part 2 college dub as Ohio State throttles Tulane 49-6, to banks in the game for Tulane, eight, thro- eight, eight completions for 14 attempts, 141, no touchdowns, no INTs, Daffrey six, car- six carries for 53 yards, no touchdowns in the game. Mooney, four, cat, four catches for 77 yards, no touchdowns in the game. 
For Derek Haskins in the game, 20 for 20, 21 for 24, 304 through the year, five touchdowns in the game, no INTs. J.K. Dobbins had 11 carries for 55 yards, one TD in the game, and Campbell, eight catches for 147 yards, two touchdowns in the game. Breakdown looks like this. Ohio State had 32 first downs to Tulane's 14. They led it in total possession time. Ohio State had 570 yards of total offense, 419 through the air, 151 on the ground, 10 penalties for 89 yards. Got to clean that up in that regard. Tulane, 14 first downs, 256 total yards, 156 on the ground, 100 yards on the ground, uh, 456 through the air, 100 on the ground, 6 penalties for 55 yards. That's Ohio State cruised to a 49-6 victory, and now they head into Happy Valley to take on Penn State. And we'll preview all the upcoming college football scores, uh, all the college football games on Friday's Falcon Friday edition of the program for right here on All Andy Alford. Michigan was a winner 56-10 over the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Nebraska just looks absolutely pathetic. Martinez 7 for 15 for 22 yards. That's right, 22 yards to total offense through the air. One touchdown, zero INTs. Bunch, 6 for 9, 71 yards, no touchdowns, no INTs in the game. He also ran the ball, three attempts for 23 yards. Morgan Jr., three carries for three catches for 61 yards in the game. Patterson, a good game, 15 for 22, 120 through the air, one touchdown, no INTs. Higgerson, 12 catches, 136, one touchdown. Bell, one catch, 56 yards, and that being a touchdown. So Michigan continuing to roll. Other scores in the NCAA looked like this. Penn State was a winner 63-24 over Illinois. Buffalo was a winner 42-13 over Rutgers. Maryland a 42-3 win over Minnesota. Excuse me. Maryland 42, Minnesota 13. 23rd ranked Boston College gets beat by Purdue 30-13. Michigan State getting the win in Indiana 35-21. 18th ranked Wisconsin beating Iowa 28-17. It was Ole Miss beating Kent State. 38-17, 38-17, Akron gets the loss against Matt Campbell in the Iowa State Iowa State Cyclones, 26-13. Ohio barely, lo- barely loses and gets beat by Cincinnati, 34-30. Western Michigan, a winner, 34-15 over Georgia State. Ball State, a loser to Western Kentucky, 28-20. Central Michigan, 17, Maine, 5. It was NIU losing to... Uh, Florida State 37 to 14. Eastern Michigan loses in a heartbreaker to San Diego State 23-30. Top 25 looks like this. It was Central Florida 16th ranked beating FAU 56 to 36. Second ranked Georgia beats Missouri 43 to 29. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish go into Wake Forest and beat Dave Clawson 56 to 27. Number 1 ranked Alabama gets the win 45 to 23 as they roll tide over Texas A&M. It was Kansas State losing to West Virginia 35-6. Clemson a 49-21 win over Georgia Tech, who Bowling Green will play next. Miami, Florida beat FIU 31-17. Here's the upset, though, of the the season so far. Old Dominion 0-3 on the season. Beats Virginia Tech 49-35. 49-35. The Hokies did not look good. 
and I told you Tom Herman had to win against TCU to continue the winning streak, and he did it. He beat TCU 17th grade. TCU goes down 31 to 7, 31 to 16 over Texas. The 25th ranked BYU Cougars were a winner 30 to 3. Mississippi State gets beat by Kentucky 17 to 28. 6th ranked LSU beats Louisiana Tech 38 to 21 in overtime. Oklahoma 6th ranked beats Army. 28 to 21. Texas Tech, a winner over George Oklahoma State, 41-17. Auburn, a 34-3 victory over Arkansas. In overtime, the Stanford Cardinals beat the Oregon Ducks 38-31. And Stanford comes back in the game to beat the Ducks. So that's a lot right there. And Washington 10th ranked beats Arizona State 27 to 20. And now looking at the top 25, looks like this. Still in number one position is the Alabama Crimson Tide. They hold 50 of the 51 first place votes. 50 of 51, folks. That says a lot. Rest of the order looks like this. Georgia is 2, Clemson 3, Ohio State 4, LSU 5. Oklahoma 6, Stanford 7, Notre Dame 8, Penn State is 9, Auburn is 10th rank, Washington 11, West Virginia 12, Central Florida 13, Michigan now goes to 14th rank, the 15th rank, Wisconsin Badgers, 16th is the Miami Hurricanes, 17th is Kentucky, Texas is 18th, Oregon is 19th, BYU is 20, Michigan State now goes up to 21, Duke goes to 22, which is their 4-0, which is surprising. Mississippi State goes to 23. Cal goes to 24. And Texas Tech goes to 25th. As you are listening to All ADL for tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And now let's hit the diamond as we are in the final week of the Major League Baseball season. As the Tigers finished up their home final homestand of the season against the Kansas City Royals Friday night, and the Royals getting the win 4-3. to three. Kennedy, the win, he goes to 3-8 and eight with a 4.59 ERA. Francisco Liriano, the loss, he goes to 5-11 with a 4.40 ERA. Ronnie Rodriguez homered his fifth of the season. Peralta, the save for Kansas City, his 12th of the year. And then we get to Saturday. And it was the last game for Victor Martinez. And V-Mart, I will say this, one of the best players, hands down, one of the best Tigers of all time, in my opinion. He's in the top 10 for me. Um, his clutch performance, his clutch play, and timely hitting, key piece for the Tigers. It was a good pickup for him from the Indians. He was with the Indians and the Red Sox, and then he was the Tigers, Good piece. And Victor retires with a single in the first inning. He walks off the field, standing ovation. And the Tigers did get a win Saturday night, 5-4. to four. As it was Mikey Montuk homering in the game his ninth of the year. Alex Gordon his 12th. Perez his 27th. That's the Tigers, like I said, cruise to a 5-4 victory. Jimenez the win. He goes to 5-4 and four with a 4.21 ERA. Hamill the loss. He goes to 3-14 with a 6.07 ERA. Shane Green the save. His 31st of the season. The final game of the series. The sees the Tigers splitting the series with Kansas City. As Kansas City gets the win 
three to two. Keller the win. He goes to nine and six with a three point zero eight ERA. Bardozzi for Kansas City Homer, his twelfth of the year. For the loss, the Tigers will. The loss goes to Drew Verhagen, three and three with a four point eight zero ERA. No home runs hit in the game, as Peralta gets his thirteenth save of the season for Kansas City. So the try the Tigers were off. Last night, they'll open up a three-game roads the fin- the final series at on the road the final road series of the year sees them in Minnesota to start off, and it will be Jacob Turnbull on the hill, zero and one with a ten point eight ERA. He'll take on Moya for Minnesota, who is three and one with a four point five six ERA. Wednesday sees Josh Boyd on the hill, nine and twelve with a four point one six ERA, taking on Ordozzi, who is seven and ten with a three point four five ERA. Uh, Minnesota has not yet named the starter for Thursday, but the Tigers has. It'll be Francisco Liriano, 5-11 with a 4.40 ERA. And then the Tigers head to Milwaukee to end the season in a quick three-game series. And we'll preview that series. The final home final series for the season for the Tigers this upcoming weekend. One series that's not ending is the Cleveland Indians series. The Indians... Continuing their series, they continued and took two or three over the Red Sox. Now they head into the south side of Chicago to take on the White Sox in a three-game series. But let's recap the weekend series as they take on the Boston Red Sox, a possible ALCS matchup. As Boston took Game One of the series Friday night, seven to five. Barnes the winning wins. He goes to six and three with a three point three four ERA. Shane Bieber the loss. He goes to ten and five with a four point eight zero ERA. Donaldson and Gomes homered. For the game, Travis, Devers, and Lynn all homering for Boston as Kimbrough gets to save his 42nd of the season. The Tribe does get the win Saturday, 5-4. Olsen the win, he goes to 2-1 with a 5.06 ERA. Pom- Drew Pomerantz, the former Indian standout, gets the loss. He goes to 2-6 with a 6.37 ERA. Devers and Scott Hart all homering for the Boston Red Sox. And then we get to Sunday, and Sunday night baseball took place in Cleveland, Ohio, as the Indians, in come from behind, fat in, not in come from behind fashion, but in extra innings, get the win and beat the Boston Red Sox four to three. Tomlin the win, he goes to two and five with a six point four four ERA. Survives the loss, he goes to zero and two with a four point three two ERA. Mookie best home running. His 31st of the season as the Tribe takes 2 of 3 over the Boston Red Sox. They opened up a series this this past yesterday, actually, against the White Sox on the south side. And Corey Kluber gets his 20th win of the season as he as the Indians blank the White Sox 4 to nothing. Kluber now goes to 20 and 7 with a 2.83 ERA. Hamilton, the loss, he goes to 0 and 2 with a 4.70 ERA. So that that's going to be interesting tonight. Eight ten start time. They might be delayed because we're supposed to be getting some weather here in Toledo, but they're getting the weather in Chicago right now. So they are delayed. They are delayed right now. Tonight it will be Trevor Bauer on the hill, twelve and six with a two point two one ERA. He'll take on James Shields, who's seven and six with a four point four eight ERA. Eight ten scheduled start time for that one. The concluded game Wednesday sees Shane Bieber on the hill, ten and five with a four point eight zero ERA. The White Sox have not yet named the starter. And Thursday they open up a series against Kansas City. Josh Tomlin on the hill for the Tribe, two and five with a six point four four 
ERA. Looking at the standings going into today into today's play, the Indians have won the Central, of course, so we can cross that out. The Boston Red Sox have won the East, and then now officially the New York Yankees have clinched the wild card spot. So the the wild card position is all taken care of. One wild card position in Houston and Oakland have both clinched playoff spots. So the American League is pretty much set. It's going to be between the either Houston or Oakland will take on Cleveland, and Boston will take the winner of either Oakland, Houston, or the Yankees in round one of the playoffs. National League looks like this. The, the Braves clinched a playoff spot. In the um, National League East, the Central is still up for grabs. The Brewers only a game and a half out of first place, five games from elimination. St. Louis, two games from elimination, and four and a half games out of first place. And the West is pretty much open still, too, between Colorado and the Dodgers. Wildcard standings look like this in the National League. Milwaukee holding the first spot, St. Louis holding the second spot. As we get ever so close to the end of the Major League Baseball season. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me tonight, thank you for tuning into the program. And now let's dive into the NFL really quickly. An upset in Detroit, folks. Matt Patricia gets his first win against his former team. Unbelievable. Stafford, 27 for 36, 262, two touchdowns, one INT, and they held Tom Brady to just keep on drinking Gatorade. Brady, 14 for 26, 133, one touchdown, one INT, as the Lions beat the New England Patriots on Sunday Night Football, 26 to 10. Mitchell, 14 carries for 50 yards for the for the New England Patriots. Gronkowski, four catches for 51 yards. Johnson, 16 carries for 101 yards. The first, first Detroit Lion to carry more than 100 yards since Thanksgiving 2013. That says a lot about a team's running game. That being that bad. Golden Tate, six catches for 69 yards. Team breakdown looks like this. The Lions had 414 yards of total offense, 255 to the air, 159 on the ground. The Patriots had 209 in total, 120 in the air, 180, excuse me, 89 on the ground. Both teams had one turnovers. The Lions had six penalties. New England had five penalties. Great game overall. The Lions get on the right page. So it's good to see. Good to see. Other scores in the NFL. New Orleans gets the win in overtime over Atlanta, 43-37. Baltimore, a winner, 27-14 over Denver. Carolina beating up on the Houday Bengals, 31-21. The Giants getting a much-needed win, 27-22 over the Houston Texans. It was a slugfest in Jacksonville as the Tennessee Titans beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 9-6. Kicking was the key in that game. Kansas City getting the win 38-27 over San Francisco. And the big key news out of this one is Jimmy Garoppolo is out for the season with a torn ACL. San Francisco fans, I feel bad for you. I know that feeling. 
It's about as bad as the Raiders because the Raiders have not gotten a win yet this year with new coach John Gruden as Miami beats up on the Raiders 28-20. Buffalo, after the pathetic performances that they have performing lately, they get the win 27-6 over the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Kirk Cousins. And if you saw the video after the game, they were making fun of Kurt in the locker room when they walked by the media and saying, You like that! You like that! And you like that indeed. Buffalo getting the win, 27-6. Philadelphia beats up on, on Phil, Gilliam's, Phil, excuse me, Phil Gilliam's Indianapolis Colts, 20-16. It was the Washington Football Club, a winner over the Green Bay Packers, 31-17. In the Battle of L.A., the Rams hold court as they win 35-23 over the Chargers. And the Chicago Bears are in first place in the NFC North with the win over the Arizona Cardinals, 16-14. Dallas gets beat up in the 12th man, 24-13, over the Seattle Seahawks. And on Monday Night Football, is Ben Raffensperger, I mean, excuse me, Roethlisberger, 30-27 over Fitzpatrick and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This week, Thursday Night Football looks like this. Minnesota is in L.A. to take on the Rams. I'm going to take the Rams in the Thursday Night Game. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program this evening. As we are now into the final portion of the show, we would usually talk about the NHL right here, but with the NHL preview show tonight, we're not going to talk about the NHL. I do want to make mention of this really quickly tonight is the Craft Hockeyville game as Buffalo takes on the Columbus Blue Jackets in Clinton, New York. We're gonna we'll talk about that on the NHL show tonight, um, and they're in that show later on this evening, which will be posted later this evening. Um, and I want to get to there is no Andy Rants tonight because you heard the rant earlier this, this in the episode about Mike Jenks. You heard my opinion about Mike Jenks. If you want to re- rewind, you hear it all together. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens with, with Bowling Green this upcoming weekend as they play Georgia Tech in Atlanta. And, um, we'll see. That's all we have to see. And I, like I said, with Mike Jenks, I, I would technically would give, I would have gave him four wins and between four or six wins. It's not going to happen now. He has to win to this Saturday and win against Toledo, or he is, in my opinion, done. We'll see. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for all Andy Alford tonight on this Tuesday evening. We'll be back on Friday for our Falcon Friday edition of the program. Uh, we'll be on Facebook Live as well, too. But until then, this is Andy Alford saying I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home, and to my teams, the Indians, Tigers, Mudhens, Walleye, Blue Jackets. Come on, Jackets. Get the win. The Bowling Green Falcons. And the Detroit Lions. Go, Lions! And to your teams, like I said, as well. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. 
Have a great evening, everybody. And I'll talk to you guys on Friday for another edition of All Andy Alfred. Love you. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alfred Network, powered by Anchor.